Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. In 1975, I'm in Kansas City, invited to speak. It's a gathering of pastors and prophets, and, um, and somehow they asked if I would lead worship and, and, uh, and speak, so I did. When I got finished speaking, just before I, I, I sat down, got ready to sit down, the, the lead pastor of that church was what you would call an old-time prophet out of the out of the glory days, the latter rain days, and and he was absolutely amazing. I didn't know how amazing he was until later somebody told me who he was. I just thought, okay, here we go. And so he started prophesying, and um, and he said several things, and I, and I thought maybe for the sake of what I want to communicate, I'm going to read this to you, if you don't mind. And it's not, <clears throat> it's not. It's not for any other reason but to make a point. Um, and I'm going to read part of it. It says, It has been lifted unto me, and thou said, and he, he prophesied in the King James. So I figure, guys, who can prophesy in the King James with these and thous, and all, they, they got an anointing, right? King Jimmy. He said, It has been lifted unto me, and thou said, Lord, thy directions and thy ways I would know, and that I would be able to see, to walk in your perfect liberty, and your will and plan that you've ordained for me. So, son, the Lord would say, Even this day he doth impart unto thee an extension by my spirit, says the Lord, by revelation of my will and purposes. And thine eyes shall be lifted, and thou shalt see hands, hands that are lifted unto me. And thou shalt be used of me to bring multitudes into these new dimensions of worship and praise. For it's not only the natural ability that I've granted unto thee, but I will use by my spirit, and thou shalt be an instrument in my hands, wherein thou shalt, thy hands shall reach out in dimensions from the east and the west and the north and the south. And thou shalt be an affluence. Yea, thou shalt cause multitudes to turn to the living God, and thou will turn from the traditions of the elders, from the bondages, prison houses. Rules have held them. The doors will break open, and multitudes will come. And there should be mighty deliverance. There will be a mighty visitation. There will be a new anointing, for thou shalt be used of me, son, in the ministry of apostolic. For I have set thee apart in these last days, for this is my word unto thee, to be thou encouraged, Gird up the loins of thy mind, listen to the voice of my spirit, for my hand is upon you. And as you move, as you move, as you move, the anointing will increase. And not only as the doors are open, but the doors will be effectual. Doors that will be open that as I will direct you will be effectual. And the Lord this day doth place an apostolic anointing upon thee for this ministry that I've spoken. That I will do a new thing and I will move a new way and a new dimension and revelation of my character and of my nature and of my power through thee, says the Lord. I did okay listening to it until he said apostle, apostolic. And the group that I was with at that time, they, they ridiculed anybody who called themselves an apostle and, and maybe even closer. 
a prophet. You could be a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher, but not an apostle. And so, and we had this this story. It was a real story of a guy who thought he was both an apostle, prophet, and evangelist, and he had a robe made. And he had the words apostle, prophet, evangelist printed on, on the robe, and all of the first letters lined up right under each other. So, <laughs> so when he came out, all people could see was ape. Um, and so we just, we just laughed at stuff like that. So I said, I said these words, I ain't telling nobody that I'm an apostle because I just didn't want to have to deal with the ridicule. So then my wife hear, hear it and a couple of other people, and then I took the cassette tape that it was on and I put it in a drawer, and it stayed there until we moved from Pittsburgh to Mobile. I lived in Pittsburgh for several years with some of the most influential teachers in the body of Christ at that time, and and um, and I was the senior pastor where I was, but I was just kind of a, an additional pastor in the church there. And one morning I'm reading through the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, and, uh, and it says, I got this passage where it says, and God has set every member in the body as it has pleased him. And at that moment I began to think, I don't really know where my place is. I said, there is Bob and Charles and Don and Ern and Derek. I said, but where's my place? And so I asked the Lord, I said, where's my place in the body? And he said, can you thank me even if you don't know what it is? And I said, yeah, I could do that. So I got on my knees with that scripture open and I just said, God, I thank you for my place in the body. I thank you for what it is, where it is, whatever it is. And I thank you because whatever it is, it pleased you to put me there. And I got up and went about my business. Two weeks later, I found the cassette that this prophecy was on. I still have it. And I decided I'd go and listen to it. And I played it in the cassette player they gave me. And as I listened to it, I heard these words, apostle, apostolic anointing, and there were some other things in it that I heard. And and Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, had you not despised prophecy, you could have known what your place was in the body. And I just stood there in tears, gave that cassette to my secretary. I said, type it up for me. So she did, and I went and shared it with my pastor. And then, from that moment on, I began to, to, begin to pray about the fulfillment of that word. I began to war. I'd get up sometimes at night, at midnight, and I'd go to my study, and I would just go after God and read that prophecy and ask God, make it happen, God, make it happen. There, were, there was a phrase in the prophecy, so when he said, I see hands, hands lifted in worship, and, um, and while I had seen hands lifted in worship, it wasn't until I was standing on the platform in Washington, D.C., looking at a million and a quarter guys with their hands lifted in worship. And, and all of a sudden, I just said, 
I didn't say OMG. Had I known, I would have said that. But I just said, oh, my God, there it is. And there's so many other things in this, in that prophetic word that I saw unfold. What I saw that day in 1997 was 22 years after I got the prophetic word. Prophecies don't always have the kind of timetable that you would like for them to have. And if you're not careful, you can easily despise something because, because it doesn't happen according to your timetable. Um, you miss it. And so I want to give you some, just some hints, some instructions about what you can do and what you need to do in order to hold fast to what God has for you. And I've got some things up on the screen. Cole, you got those for me? Here it is. So don't waste the prophetic word. Don't despise it. Don't waste it. Don't look at it and just say, well, that really wasn't what I was looking for. Um, God can give you five words that can fill up the rest of your life. As the prophet said, who has despised the day of small things? Small things are not an, are not an indicator of the smallness of the prophetic word. Atoms are small. Psalm 12, Psalm 12.6, and the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined and a furnace of clay, purified seven times. And a lot of what God says to you in a certain season gets purified. It gets refined. And um, when you refine silver, you don't refine it with a brush. You put it in heat. And sometimes it's the heat that brings it out. So... Point number one, it doesn't always make sense in the moment you receive it. I think the thing is, is that we evaluate things based upon our current understanding of how things ought to be. And we don't realize that one invention can disrupt everything that changes the way you see the whole world. And you won't see that change in the prophecy, but he knows the change is coming. So here's what Jesus says in John 13, 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. And this is the thing that I think is important for us, that there are things that God can do and you have no idea what he's doing. You, don't have, no, you have no idea what he's up to. He says, but there will come a time that you will understand he's... He's getting ready to wash their feet, and he's, you know, that whole passage in John 13. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And read the phrase, that, read the question he asked him. Do you understand? Now, that question, Jesus has asked his disciples, and especially in Matthew 13, he says, he gives these parables, and he says, he says, you guys understand this? And they say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then when they get back to the house, he said, well, we really didn't know what you were talking about. Could, could, could you explain the parable of the tares and the wheat? And, and, uh, and he does. 
He says, do you understand what I have done for you? And the problem is, is that when you don't understand, don't reject it. Don't push it aside. I don't understand that. Continue to pray over it. Let revelation unfold. Daniel was in Babylon 70 years, and when he looked at the calendar, so to speak, he said, you know what? We are at that point when he said, this thing is going to be over. There, there are moments in your life that you'll come to a conclusion that it will some, simply dawn on you, hey, I'm at that point. Wow. This is where I am. And some of you are going to discover that some of the things that God has been speaking to you over the years, has spoken to you over the years, you're going to find yourself, I believe, real confirmation will come to you in this time that you're going to have. And so your heart has to be open to God. And God, whatever you're saying, you sang the song of the Lord. If you turn to the right, I'm going to go to the right. If you turn to the left, I'm going to go to the left. Um, where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say. What you do, I'll do. So it doesn't always make sense in the moment you receive it. And that's the whole point. Many times when I'm prophesying to people, and, and we've all had the experience, you're giving a word, and, uh, and you think you know what that word means, but it means more to the person who receives the word because the reality is that the prophecy is not yours, it's theirs. You have to own it. And in owning it, you can say to me, I'll say... Does, uh, does red wagon mean anything to you? And I'll have in my mind what a red wagon means, and they'll say, oh yeah, that means a whole lot to me. Well, it didn't mean anything that I thought it was going to mean. And so lay into what's yours. You have to own your word. Second, while it doesn't always make sense in the moment received, it will make sense in the season of fulfillment. Listen to Luke 24, 6. The women are standing at the tomb and they're coming there to put some flowers on the grave. And so the angel says to them, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. He's not here. He is risen just like he told you. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? Verse 8 says, then they remembered his words. The fulfillment of something is what assures you that you're in the right place and you're, you're finding it. It's, now it makes sense. I had a dream in, in 70-something, maybe 72, and um, talked to my wife about it in just the word walnuts. And um, years later, 1984, we're in Pasadena, California, and I'm getting trying to go in to pass to Fuller Seminary, and and uh, we pa I, I said, Barbara, here's the here's the uh, the school here. She sees the sign Walnut, Pasadena, our Fuller Theological Seminary is on Walnut Street in Pasadena. She said, isn't that the name that was in your dream? And I said, oh, my God. But it was years. It was years after I had the dream. Don't get discouraged about time. Don't get discouraged about time. Two guys were discussing 
where they could sell their hogs. And one guy says, well, we're here in Arkansas. Let's, let's just take them to Little Rock. And he says, he says you know what? You can, you can make a lot more money if we take these hogs to St. Louis. He said, do you know how much time it takes to get to St. Louis? And his buddy said, what's time to a hog? <laughs> time is either your friend or your enemy. It just depends on how you're going to relate to it. In the season of fulfillment, that's when you say, oh, God, thank you. I thank you for that word. Third, the prophecy will often have a fuller sense than the immediate. A fuller sense. So when he says, I see hands lifted in worship, I'd been leading worship for years. But it wasn't until... I saw a lot of hands, and I started leading worship in, uh, during Promise Keepers. I was in a church in, in Mobile, Alabama for seven years, and I led worship for that congregation three times. And one of the criticisms is that my worship was soulish, and so I didn't lead worship. And then I was invited to lead worship for Promise Keepers, and then you know, Promise Keepers, and then... My associate said he walked into the stadium one day and uh, on the jumbotron, I was leading the worship and he thought he couldn't lead worship for 1,500 people. Now he's leading worship for 50,000. Wow. And then we moved from 50,000 to Stand in the Gap. Yeah. Anybody at Stand in the Gap, Washington, D.C.? A million and a half, million and a quarter guys wow. there. And I'm standing on the stage and I'm saying, oh my God. Fulfillment of a prophecy. It will have a fuller sense. And then it will always have a larger sense than you see. The fuller sense is that, you remember when the disciples said, I thought, I thought, I thought Elijah was supposed to come first. And Jesus says, Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they wanted to do. But he's talking about John the Baptist. And then the other picture is Mary's anointing. When Mary anointed Jesus, Jesus said to her, she has done something for me. She's anticipating my burial and the anointing that I will not get. And so she's, she's come by the Spirit to do this. And then he says, and wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached, from now on, they'll be talking about this. So this thing that Mary did, this, it was a quantum anointing. It wasn't just something for Jesus for that moment. It was something that was going to be expressed until Jesus came. What is it that God is, is going to say to you that you will look at it and just say, oh, but maybe you need to say, ah, oh, that's God. It'll have a larger sense. Always has a larger sense. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Don't limit the word. Don't limit it. Don't limit it. Let the word do what it wants to do. David Ireland's friend of mine, and um, 
he was with us one year and he gave us some uh, some words to encourage us what we need to do with with our prophecy. Number one, he said, evaluate. Ask the question, is it from God? Does it align with the word of God? Does it line up with the character of God? Does the word bring attention to the prophet or to you or to or glory to God? Yeah. Evaluate, say evaluate. Yeah. Second thing he says is value the word. Value the word. So how was the word? It was nice, but it really wasn't a word from God. It wasn't what I was looking for. I don't want to be an apostle because people are going to make fun of me and da 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 da. Transcribe it, and I was, I was smart enough eventually to to transcribe it, and you get the personality of the prophet out of the prophecy. I, I had to get the th th th. th. You know, thus saith the Lord, and and I had to, I had to get <laughs> I had to get beyond the King James, yeah. And uh, there, I'm sorry, man. I do you have a King James Bible? It's just okay. <laughs> but some of God's best prophets only can prophesy in King James, and so if you if you're hung up on. Yea, thus says the Lord. Somebody said, you can tell what church people have come from by the way they prophesy. And um, King James prophet, thus says the Lord, they thou shalt say. Um, people who, who come from a church where the Amplified Bible is read, their prophecy is a little bit different. And, and then good news people, hey, this is God. Yay, amen. <laughs> Feed on your word. Feed on your word. Let the word position you. It's a North Star. What can, what can I do today based on that word? Meditate on it. You know, the word meditate in the Hebrew really doesn't mean, have anything to do with your, your mind. It has to do with what you say with your mouth. It's a verbal thing. You utter, talk about your word. I got this word. Annoy people with it. Just say, hey, let me tell you about my word. Let me tell you about my word. And when I say annoy people with that, I'm, I'm speaking uh, prophylactically, actually. <laughs> That's something that you would have said. It's the spirit of David coming on me here. <laughs> but let the word position you. Get your focus right. The moment he said, apostle. I said, I refuse to be embarrassed about something God called me to do. Wow. And I shared it with my pastor who didn't believe in apostles, Whoa. but was one. Yeah. Yeah. And when I shared that with him, he said, well, Joseph, he said, I, I can believe that God could be doing that in your life. And, but begrudgingly, but it, it, for me, it didn't make any difference because I knew that if I was going to pursue this in integrity, I had to share it with people. Yeah. I don't... I don't, I don't announce, my name is not Apostle Joseph Carr. He's kind of like people saying, my name is Pastor so-and-so. Pastor's not your name. It's, you know, <laughs> like doctor's not your name. But be who you are and let people discover who you are without you having to tell them that. Feed on your word. Say it, feed on your word. 
it'll position you. The more you think about it, the more you talk about it, the more you share, pray. If it's a North Star, it'll get you where you need to go. And the last one is fight with the word. Use it as a battle weapon. Paul told Timothy, the word, the prophetic words that have been spoken unto you, wage warfare with them. Wage warfare with them. I remember once I got clear about what this word was to me, I'd go down into my office and, I, and there would be moments when I would just put my Bible on the floor and I'd be on my knees and I'd pound, pound on the Bible and declare, God, do it, God, do it, God, do it. And, and the outcome was absolutely amazing. I don't know how much of this is yet to be fulfilled. I'm not saying it's all done. But I love the word affluence. I thought because he was speaking with the King James accent, uh, he should have been saying influence. But there is a word called affluence, and it has to do with wealth. And over the years, I've watched God bring millions of dollars through our hands to give into the kingdom of God. And he's still doing it. And I'm, I'm just amazed because I was born in the projects you know, projects, and didn't know anything about marginalized and all the other stuff. I just, I was just born in projects, holes in my shoes, and then God has brought us, as one guy said, from a, from a whole cake to a pound cake. <laughs> so here's some instructions, and uh, you can you can get these notes. Write or type out your word. Write it out. Type it out. Number two, highlight the part you have to do in one, in one color. Highlight the part God has to do in another color. Some of what you're doing, prophecies aren't guaranteed. You have to fight for them. There are certain things that, that you can have. God, Samuel told, told Saul, when you get to Ramah, wait for me seven days. Wait for me. And he got there and Saul didn't wait for him because Samuel didn't come when he was supposed to. You can see this in, in uh, 1 Samuel 13, chapter 10. He says to him, Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Do whatever seems best on the circumstances for God will guide you. All he has to do is just do the best thing. He gets to Ramah. Samuel is late quote-unquote. And as soon as Saul offers the sacrifice, Samuel comes out. He says, what have you done? He says, well, you were late. And he says, but you did something you weren't supposed to do. And he says, you could have been king and God would have established your throne forever. See, we think that, that Saul was the people's choice, but Samuel is saying, God is saying, you could have been the guy. But now he has found somebody else. So disobeying and not following through with the prophetic word is really critical for us. God's part is God's part. Your part is your part. You do your part and God's going to do his. Don't get mad if he doesn't open the windows of heaven for you if you haven't tithed. Um, it's, it's one of those if you make two copies number four make two copies 
be sure the color highlights are easily distinguishable on both because you're going to give one to your pastor or to your leader. Give one copy to your church leadership. Six, use the other copy for yourself to start doing your part. And seven, leadership can help pastor you through this time. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.